All right, everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. And I am sitting here with Ali Tetrick. So, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, she is a Dirty Kanza winner. She has raced on the Women's Pro Tour all throughout Europe. She has also done multiple, what are you on? Two Gravel Worlds. Yeah, I'm on two. Two Gravel Worlds. And a plethora of other wins. I mean, I'm going to let her go through her win roster because I can't keep up with them all. But, you know, the interesting part is that Ali is based here in Petaluma um, and has transitioned from the road to the dirt and is racing the gravel scene. She is a huge ambassador for Specialized with m and multiple other companies. I mean, she's been working her butt off and racing her butt off for years. So... And I think one of the things that, you know, Allie and I, you know, talked about a lot today on our ride on this, the small, the little narrow gravel roads that we rode on, um, is about our brains. And I think that's something we'll, we'll get to a little bit later, but, uh, Allie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I feel, I feel right at home here. So thank you so much for having me. Um, definitely connect on a lot of levels from good food, bike riding on, Everything from pavement to dirt and enjoying the good life, right? Yes, for sure. Very much so. So let's start how, well, one, how did you get onto the bike and how did you, because you didn't start early, you started later, right? Yeah, so I actually was born and raised in California, um, born on a cattle ranch uh, in Los Alamos, California, so pretty far from civilization, and then grew up the rest in Redding, California, so super NorCal. Whoa. Yep. So working cattle ranch, uh, my parents still have it, so I didn't do a ton of organized sports until high school, played tennis, and then I ended up playing tennis in college on a full-ride scholarship, NCAA tennis, at Abilene Christian University in Abilene, Texas. Wow. And um, studied biochemistry, and honestly, the bike was probably the last thing from my mind because I thought bikes were pretty dorky. We, we you know, <laughs> you wear those like <laughs> tight little outfits that have all those colors on them, and <laughs> I, I didn't really think that was my calling. Um, my grandfather, who uh, didn't start riding bikes until after the age of fifty, um, army veteran and contractor, and he kept telling me, "Ow, you could go to the Olympics." you could come ride bikes. And I'm like, look what you wear when you ride bikes, man. Like <laughs> I'm wearing uh, tennis skirts. I want my nails done. I like those visors. Like that's what I've got, you know? And then after I graduated college, um, I still had a competitive edge. Couldn't play tennis anymore. I hurt my knee. And so I started running, which turned into triathlon. And eventually I was like, well, maybe I'll try this bike racing thing. My grandpa keeps telling me about and by the way, I mean, my grandfather did pass away this last year, which was super hard for me at the age of 87, but he was still riding his bike until 87. He has 17 national titles to his name. I mean, the guy was fast. But That's um, amazing. Yeah. Longevity in sports is crazy. So one day I just showed up in Colorado with a bike and I'm like, all right, Grampy, I got it. I got a bike and I showed up to a couple bike races and um, won them and got invited to the Olympic Training Center, got a pro contract, raced for the national team all within six months of uh, starting <laughs> to ride a bike. I'm going to tell you, I pinned my number upside down, couldn't clip in and fell over at a couple start lines, but it's been a wild ride. So 10 years wow. later, here I am. <laughs> That's amazing. And I mean, it's, it goes to show you, like you, if you want to do something, you have the skill set. You can just do it. 
Yeah, I mean, you can go and do these things. Like, I grew up with a pretty athletic family. My dad is a really avid cyclist. My mom plays great tennis. He played football for UCLA. You know, like, we're a pretty active family. But growing up in a ranch, like, you're not doing all this organized stuff all the time. But once we got out to organize fun and also you could just kind of set your mind to things, set goals, challenge yourself. You never know what you can accomplish. So let's kind of go over some of that. So like you, you went to Colorado, you went to the Olympic Training Center, you raced in Europe. You've been all over. I mean, you've raced all over. I've raced on every continent except Antarctica. (laughs) See, that's amazing. And I think it's that the sport has allowed you to travel the world. Yeah. And I never had been out of the country until I was 23 years old. And then suddenly there I am. And I'm like, cool, see you guys. (laughs) And then, you know, 10 years later, I'm sitting here going, did I just do that? (laughs) That's, I mean, it's inspiring. It's inspiring for so many people. I mean, cycling is truly, and I think one of the conversations I had the other day was with Andrew Tolansky saying it's truly one of the last sports around where you can actually have a conversation with a professional where you can get close to the event, physically close, unlike football, basketball. I mean, you can get somewhat close to basketball and and hockey, but there's still a barrier, right? There's still cycling. You're allowed to talk and you want to talk to not only, you know, the professionals, the professionals want to talk to their fans. And that makes it even more inspiring for a younger generation of women. Exactly. I think one of my favorite things about cycling and, you know, I have raced at the world's highest levels in cycling all all around the world and, you know, medaled at world championships. I'm a gravel world champion, you know, and I've done all these crazy things, but transitioning into gravel racing, which is even cooler because before I'm sitting there and yes, I'm racing the Tour de Flanders. I'm racing the Tour de France. I'm doing the Giro or, you know, doing these incredible feats, but I still felt like I was operating in a bubble because you've got your team bus, you have your caretakers and you're, you're not really interacting. Now when I do gravel or these fondos or things like your events, like Campo Velo, you know, I get to come out and just ride with people. I get to talk a lot of shit or tell good stories, be entertained and meet this audience that's supporting me and doing something I love. And they're also challenging themselves and doing this sport and we all have this kind of same common interest and you get to meet these crazy like-minded people which is why you and I are sitting here (laughs) (laughs) and so that's what's so cool about cycling is in a lot of disciplines in sport you can't always interact with people that are in different levels but in cycling like I can go on an easy ride with somebody that yes I'm a professional I'm very fast I really enjoy easy rides with people with good conversation you know get some coffee pastry glass of wine after and still hang out and enjoy the day Or go ride 206 miles of dirty Kansas. It might take me eight hours faster than take somebody else. But honestly, we did the same adventure. And that's super cool about the sport to kind of unite this passion we have to push our limits and whatever those limits are. I think that's, you just said something that's really important. I think pushing your limits. And I think there's different ways that people find what their limits are. And I think it's a really, it's a really powerful thing, right? I mean, you've pushed your limits above and beyond. I mean, racing, I mean, when you talk about racing in Europe and you talk about racing, the, 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 what is the correct term for the, what is the, the Giro de Femme? Uh, they have all these fancy. Yeah. I just called the Giro. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> so there's the Giro and then you have the, the, the Tour de France, you have Flanders, you have these events that are monumental in cycling mm. and you're pushing yourself beyond, like you put yourself in the hurt cave. 
to finish those things, to do those things at the utmost level. And it's like, how do you find where that level is, whether you have a coach or not, you got to find that level, then you got to break it and then find that new level of hurt cave again and keep pushing the hurt cave farther and farther away. Yeah. I don't, I think that's what's so cool about cycling is that there's so many different disciplines. Like today you and I went on a really great bike ride, but you pushed my limits because you're taking me on what he called, I'm going to tell you, skinny gravel roads, which was a bunch of gnarly single track, which there was, I don't do. There was gravel and it, the roads were skinny. Yeah. Which, you know, you may or may not fall off a cliff. So it's funny though. There's so many disciplines in cycling, whether it's track, cyclocross, road, gravel, mountain bike. I mean, it's endless and it, it can suit all sorts of body types and whatever your limits are, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, um, you know, endurance or anaerobic, aerobic. I mean, there's so many ways you can push yourself. So like, I'm still trying to figure out like how far I can go in this sport. And that's, what's so intriguing about it and addicting and also just really inspiring because I think this sports for life, which my grandfather taught me. So that's why I'm still here. See, that's what I think is awesome is because it's a low impact sport, it allows people to start at a young age and continue for extended periods of time. And that's what's so great about it. I mean, that's why you're seeing so many chefs get into the cycling community because it's low impact. We can't run. It's not good for us. We stand on our feet all day and that's a high impact sport, but cycling it's really low impact it's great for your heart it's great for your mind you get like we said today we went places today and saw things that you couldn't see any other way unless you got on a bike when also i think cycling and food and wine and all the good life go really well together and we can go out and um we're currently sitting here in napa valley in saint helena actually but we're sitting here and we could go check out your local produce. You can check out vineyards and you can actually see where you're sourcing your food, explore new areas. And I think that just kind of fuels the soul, fuels your heart and, of course, your body because we're going to eat some lunch soon. Yes, lunch is coming. <laughs> so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the brain. And um, you had two traumatic brain incidences, I'll say. I think that's probably the safest way to say it or easiest way to say it. And I think you had to go through a lot to get back to where you are today. And I think um, we talked a lot about that on our ride today and, you know, the rife of dealing with perception versus reality of what, you know, those things are and how people perceive them from the outside, how they're afraid to talk to you about it or they don't know how to deal with it. And, and I think it's really important that um, if you feel comfortable about sharing that experience, because when I read the article that we were interviewed in bicycling, it was really, for me, it was really great because, you know, I have my own issues that I deal with and you created a lot of tools for yourself to succeed again in on your terms. Right. And I think there's a lot of people out there who could learn from those tools. Yeah, I think um, this sport we were talking about is very low impact and it is low impact until, of course, you hit the deck, which then it becomes very high impact because, you know, there's asphalt or rocks or trees or whatever. And speed. And speed. Um, And those funny clothes you were talking about. Yeah, and those funny like you're basically riding around your underwear. Pretty much. Right. And you hit the deck. And in my case, it was a 45 miles an hour to zero. Um, and didn't slide, no blood, nothing, but I hit my head, broke, like shattered my pelvis. 
and was airlifted out, you know, life flight, unconscious for a while. And what year was this? 2010. Um, and I was so fixated on coming back from that crash because I was going to go to the Olympics. I was going to do all these things. And as much as I had thought I was so much more, I realized my identity was probably all chiseled into this bike racer Allison mold because I was so goal oriented, which we all are. But I was so focused on these goals that um, I think I lost my identity as other things. So when I was trying to come back from this injury, I probably ignored the mental health side of things and was very fast coming back. Um, but when I crashed again, that's probably when the lights went out um, because that caused a lot of extra trauma. Um, another head injury on top of a traumatic brain injury. Um, had to relearn to read. Um, <laughs> Dealt with a lot of mental health things like depression, anxiety, um, suicidal thoughts. And, you know, I didn't know I was going to make it. Uh, so I had to come back from that, which was really hard. Um, so I had to learn to separate my identity as a professional bike racer to realize I was so much more. You know, I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. You know, I'm a you're sister. A, you're a human. You're a person. I mean, there's more to, to life there's, than... There's more to life than that one thing that you think you have to have. Like, success has different definitions for everyone. And yes, we all want to PR or want to have the best restaurant in the world or, you know, please your customers. You know, we be the best husband. You know, you all want to be these things. But you, at one point, need to also take care of yourself to make sure you're the best human being possible. And honestly, for me, it was... By a lot of, I think, the grace of God, faith, my family, and going back to the basics to reestablish my foundation to then build back being like, you know what? I want to go back to cycling. And my parents were terrified. They said, no, you're going to die. Like, you can't go back and race. And I said, if I don't go back and race, like, I will never do anything the rest of my life that scares me. I have to race again just to prove I can conquer this fear and conquer all these walls I've built up to protect myself. But I'm going to do it not just as a sole professional athlete. I'm going to do this as a very balanced human being that is going to make the funerals, is going to make the baby showers, and you know what, is going to have a glass of rosé at lunch because I'm not going to worry about that stuff to be more balanced and happy with who I am. And I think you just said something that's really poignant. It's, it's You talked about giving up baby showers, funerals, holidays for your training and for what you viewed as your dream and your goals, which was to be a professional athlete. And that's very similar in my industry too. I mean, we give those things up nonstop. And, and I think you're talking about being a parent, balancing your time, you know, being this daughter, being, you know, being able to have a glass of wine and a lobster club sandwich for lunch. Like it's really about living. And then you end up having more success when you're living in and living in the moment. And I think that's actually key. We forget that because we get so wound up. Yeah, I think you get really wound up and a little neurotic about it, right? And so you're looking at these results and whether it's your ratings or for me, it's the medals I get or the point, you know, points or whatever I'm searching for. And I realized, you know, I might not get all of that. But the other day, um, I got more when I was happier. And people will be like, what's your secret? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I had a, probably half a bottle of wine last night. And, you know, I actually didn't really care about this race, but I just won it. And they're like, what did you eat? And I was like, salami and cheese. I don't know. 
<laughs> but see, that's great because it's it's basic, pure, raw talent. You've pushed yourself. You who you are who you are. But at the same time, you're living in the moment as well as accepting what happened and how to move forward from it. Right. And I'll tell you a little story about, uh, I mean, I probably have definitely more than two concussions, but one being a traumatic brain injury and then a concussion following that. But I probably have had about seven. Um, but the last one was pretty bad, which was the Pan American Games. And I lived like a monk because that was my you know, way to prove I should go to the Olympics. I'm really working towards this goal. And I live like a monk up at altitude, you know, shut everybody out of my life. You know, you're weighing your food, you're eating crappy food, I'll be honest with you, because, you know, heaven forbid you gain weight or whatever, and you're so focused on this goal. And then I failed at the event, right? I crashed. And I don't remember much. I missed turns on the course that I pre-written. I, I mean, it was pretty bad. And for three months, I was sitting up there like a monk. And, and then you want to call your friends and you realize that they're like, hey, where have you been? You know, like you're not even you're not giving us anything like, oh, we didn't even know you're still alive. So <laughs> I realized, though, I don't want to do that again because that comes at a cost. Like I would rather enjoy life. And maybe you do take you do take sacrifice then you may be not always at peak performance, but there's a way to balance that and still be a good human being and be all these good things that we're talking about and still pursue those goals at the highest level. I, I really do believe that. That's awesome. And I think you can eat if you want. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I will probably have a bite, um, <laughs> but I'll probably chew in the microphone. <laughs> so I think one of the things I think that's really like you created some tools to relearn things that we take for granted, right? It's something that when the accident happened, you take it for granted until it's not there in front of you, right? Like you can't do it. And I think that's really, I mean, reading your, reading the bicycling, I mean, it, it shook me pretty hard because like you don't realize how fragile that material between you know, ear to ear really is if you move it around too much. And and reading that, there was certain things that really stood out for me. You talking about being in your in your home, getting lost, like that's to me that right there, like it it shook me so hard that you could get lost in your own home. Like that, I don't think people realize like how serious of an injury you really had. Yeah. I think that's the hard part about head injuries and just overall mental health is that if you had crashed today and broke your collarbone or whatever, everyone would be so worried that your bones broken and you can watch it fuse and the fuzzy bone heal, but you hit your head today or tomorrow or whenever, or you have a, just a mental health issue and people, they check on you at first when you admit it, but give them a couple months, they forget because you look normal and you're successful and you're still going through the motions. And you're like, crap, like, I don't know where I am. I've got numb lips. I am being aggressive. I'm paranoid or, you know, depressed or, you know, all these things that you could have. Um, and people then forget to check on mental health again because it's not visible. It's not like your arms in a sling or your legs in a cast. It's That's so true. And I think it's such a forgotten thing. How many people, how many events have you been to where people are like, man, this scar, I hit the deck, 
at this crit or man, you should have seen, look at this road rash markings. This is from this. Nobody says, oh yeah, I, uh, I have anxiety and depression issues. You don't hear anybody like showing that off. And people say, oh yeah, I broke four fingers when I crashed on my bike at this, or look at this scar from the day I learned to shuck an oyster. And I put, nobody talks about the mental issues. They always talk about the physical ones that you, like you just said, that somebody can see. And then, so it's, there's taboo is fear. And I think that needs to go away. I think that's why people need to talk about these vulnerabilities more is because, yeah, I, I couldn't walk for a couple months, which was super traumatic. And everyone was like, oh, my goodness, when can you walk? When can you ride? And that's why just like what you do in your industry, you're like, OK, when can I get back? When can I open that next restaurant? What's my new dish or where, you know, where am I going to source the next truffles from? You know, you don't know that stuff. And it's the same thing. It's like, well, when can you go and win a race again? But then I lined up to the race and I remember being so angry. Because they're like, hey, you're back. And I'm like, yeah. I'm also on antidepressants. I'm super pissed. And you're not even asking me how my head is right now. And you know what? I'm angry that no one cares. And they're like, hey, you look like you've gained a couple pounds. And I want to be like, do you know that I am just lucky to be alive right now? Like, do you know what it took me to get to this start line? I might not win this race. And I actually guarantee you I won't win this race. But I went through hell and back to get to this start line. And I feel like I need a round of applause for that. Yet no one's going to give it to you. No, because that whole idea of the concept of mental in most people's minds isn't a big fixture. It isn't something that's as important to people. So their biggest concern is physical, like you said. Mm -hmm. Mental is pushed aside because they can't see it. They, they can't see it, but they're probably going through it, too. So I think the more you talk about it is the better, which is why I'm so excited to be here today. Because, <laughs> you know, I feel like cycling has introduced me to this whole tribe of like-minded people. And even crazy as we are, um, and even more so in this gravel or kind of more adventure scene that I've been partaking in is because now we're all just trying to find the next challenge, adventure, and then also just finding health and balance through it, which I think is super cool. It is. And I think that's the biggest thing is really like pushing, like, you know, we talked about the fact that I signed up for Dirty Kanza, right? And, and I'm going to race DK 200 and, you know, I'm going to pick your brain and Yuri's brain and everybody else's brain about it. I do know what the, what do they call it? The mud stick. I learned the mud stick trick. Oh, I, you might need to teach me that. That's Yuri's, that's Yuri's trick. He said, bring a paint you know, a paint mixer stick. He said you cut it down and you use it to scrape the mud off. It's if it's a mud year, if you don't need to carry it, if it doesn't rain, but, but you know, I'm not there to race to win. I'm there to race myself. I'm racing against my own demons and me. I'm not racing against anybody that's putting their foot on the line. I want to go out there and have a good time and really see what I still have in me. And I'll push my own limits, but also you'll be out there Yuri will be out there. Ted will be out there. It's going to be fun. I mean, how many people show up? Like a thousand? Two thousand. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a lot of folks. But it'll be cool because, you know, you ride with different people. You talk to different people. And they're like-minded in that they all are looking for an adventure and to find who they are within that experience. And that's all I want to do. And, I mean, it's like like we talked about today on the ride. Look, I have my own demons. I deal with anxiety and depression. I take, I call myself crazy and people get upset by that I say that, but I'm comfortable with that term 
Like, I'm fine. I go to crazy school once a week. That's also known as therapy. Or I take crazy pills. You know, it's like, I need to because I don't have a choice. I have a chemical imbalance in my body and it's, I'm okay with it. It took me a long time to be okay with it. And I think it's a hard thing. The brain is something that it's scary. We don't understand it. We still don't know enough about it. All we know is that it makes everything else work. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know how to cook calves brains, but I sure don't know anything about what goes on in our heads other than my body doesn't make the chemicals that I need to function normal. But, you know, I mean, you knocked your noggin a bunch of times. That means everything inside got rattled around and it's changed. Yeah, and I still fight that every day. People are like, well, how's your head? I'm like, well, it's a daily battle, actually. It like, is. We were talking about that today. I mean, heaven forbid I date a guy that drives a sports car because I'll get symptomatic and I'm like, dude, you're giving me a concussion. Drop me off. <laughs> you know. Like, and that's a thing. Like, You have trigger things that set, set off because of the trauma. So you mentioned like flashing lights. So you're definitely not going to the rave. No raves, no movies with like that flashing violence, like you know that's. Yeah, so I mean, you know, know, but you know, you're tr- you know what's going to trigger you. I mean, it could for me, it could be something as simple as I start off my day and I stub my toes so bad that it just starts a downward effect. But it's how do we manage getting out from behind that is the is our goal every day. It's like okay, let it roll, let it roll. I keep telling myself, let it roll, let it roll off your back, let it roll off your back. It's not that easy. I think it's really important to have a good support team around you. I mean, you have a very strong family. I mean, I rely on my family a lot because I feel like you should. I've trusted some of the wrong people in my recovery process, and it's like blood in the water, right? You show a little vulnerability. You show, I mean, oh, yeah. And you have the wrong people offering you to help, you know? <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And you find out when it comes to light and you admit something's wrong, it really shows you who your true friends are. Because they either stand by you and understand and help, or they run to the hills because they're scared because they don't understand the situation and they don't understand how to handle it or deal with it. And I think that's the bigger picture. People, if they don't understand, they have to say something. I don't understand. They can't just vanish. Yeah. And it's scary. I mean, because everyone deals with their own demons, you know, or their own insecurities and all of that. So it's just, I think, making it a better conversation and also... It comes at a cost, you know, you have to show your vulnerability a bit. And um, but for a while, initially, I had a couple articles that were supposed to come out and I wasn't ready for them to come out because I was racing these high level pro, you know, world tour events. And if I say that, you know, X, Y and Z scares me, which is kind of obvious that they scare me, <laughs> if you know me, but you don't need to you don't want to show your vulnerability nope. to someone you're trying to beat. You know, like They'll use it against you. I had somebody throw me into a gutter and be like, I know you don't like this. And I'm like, you're right. And now I'll never see you again because I am terrified. <laughs> and, you know, you're they're using it against you. And so I think going into the gravel scene, I'm like, yes, I am scared of this. And it does humanize the sport because I can literally tell women and men and on the start line, they're like, oh, you must be you know, fearless. I'm like, Oh no, (laughs) I am so scared of everything in life. Like, do you know me? (laughs) But no, I can still line up here. And this is just as challenging for me as it for you. Like, yeah, I might have different goals than you do in this certain day, but I'm still terrified. But I think I have to face that because I think if I ignore my fears, I don't think I'd be very happy or healthy either. That's a good point. And I think the moment somebody acknowledging your fears lets you succeed, 
acknowledging the problem allows you to grow. Right? Right. And it's, it's uh, hopefully everybody can figure that out at some point. Yeah, I did go to my, um, I, I do and did go to um, my serving of therapy or whatever, crazy school, as you say, um, as well. And what was really important for me was to learn. Um, I had a like a life coach or therapist, sports psychologist, whatever, actually asked me, said, okay, Allison, you're coming into the final 500 meters of a race and you could win or lose, but if you go for the win, you're going to risk hitting your head again and going back to that very, very dark place that you do not want to be. Or you could touch your brakes and possibly not win, but be safe. And you choose to touch your brakes and be safe. Are you going to be okay with it waking up the next morning, choosing your mental health over succeeding? And I looked at her with a very clear face and I said, yes, I will choose my mental health over other people's definition of success every single time. And she said, are you sure about that? I said, yes. And I actually meant that. And I think about that every single day. Like, do I choose my mental health, my life balance, who I am as a human being over somebody else's definition or external validation? Yeah. And do I still win races? Yes. But <laughs> so, I think you don't need validation from the outside. You've, you've won pretty much. Let's be frank. You fucking won everything that you've won so much. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. The only th person you should be proving to is yourself at this point for fun. Yeah. And I think that's what you and I were talking about today. Like we had a great ride. Like maybe you went faster with a bunch of guys yesterday and I'm like, hey, by the way, I'm going to tiptoe a little bit and you maybe had a babysit me a hair and that was fine. Like we had fun. I wasn't on the rivet today, so it was really <laughs> nice. <laughs> yesterday I was on the rivet. Like you had me right on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I and it was Today was fun. I mean, it's like you can stop, you can look. It was warmer today than yesterday, which made it really nice, mm -hmm. really comfortable. But the views were stunning. There was mushroom. I could see chanterelles. I saw some porcini out there. The, the mustard flowers are stunning. And that's what makes it fun is we can talk about things, look at the bigger picture, and really like enjoy the ride. Not every As much as it was slower today, I did my own... Thanks, Adam, for making me do my efforts. I did my efforts, all five of them and all my things. The climbs were long. But those are part of it. And I think if you do it in a way that's comfortable with people, it doesn't affect the ride. It doesn't make it awkward. And it's fun. Like, I had a blast. I had a blast yesterday and I had a blast today. Yesterday, it was a little more, you know, my hands were freezing cold. And today, it's it literally feels like it's 90 degrees out. It's, it's not that so warm. nice outside. But I think that's what the bike should be. It can offer you challenges physically um, or just maybe even you meet somebody that has new mental health conversations to have and you <laughs> go into this kind of crazy place. And you're like, you know, this is not a bad place to be either. So I like good conversation, good rides. And today was warm. So I was very happy it's about very that. It's very nice. Yeah. So let's let's veer off into the fun part of your racing. And, and what was your favorite race that you participated in in Europe and what was the favorite part about it? My favorite race in Europe was Flanders. Um, it's the tour of freaking Flanders, right? You know, it's this icon in cycling and I'm sure people do this in the chef world as well, but I feel like cycling sometimes 
you know, they like to exaggerate and build these things up on this pedestal for so long and be like, oh, have you ever made, I don't know, whatever is the hardest thing to make. There's they'd a be lot like, of hard things yeah. to make. <laughs> and with, like that in Flanders, they'd be like, you need to work on X, Y, and Z because you know how hard Flanders is. And I went to Flanders and I had the teammate and she, you know, had a Spanish teammate, but she had a lot of explicitives in the, but she was like, we're at the mother in Flanders, you know? And so she was just, she goes, it's the best race in the world. It's the best race in the world. And so all day I had that in my head. I didn't win the thing. I just made the front group. And I was like, it's not that hard. This is so fun. Like, it's so fun. And you, you smell beer and brats the whole time. You bought, get a bunch of crazy, like crazy Belgian guys, like with flags in your face. We stole a flag on the way home. I still have it in my house. It Dude, was my, really? it was my birthday. And I'm racing Flanders on my birthday. And uh, at the end, my mechanic goes, oh, Principesa, I have you this flag. <laughs> and they, the whole team signed it. And, you know, those cobble climbs are really hard. They're slippery. Everyone's telling me all the rules. Like, you know, don't get out of the saddle. You have to stay seated. It turns out, like, I'm not super small. And uh, these climber girls are just going backwards. And I'm like, is this climb hard? Crap. Like, I thought Flesh Malone was, like, oh so hard. God. And Flanders, like, we were talking about those climbs for me. I'm like, this is my jam, which turns out is gravel. Oh, my God. <laughs> High it's... rolling resistance, all power. I was like, this is the easiest bike race I've ever done. You oh got a my bunch God. of drunk Belgian dudes, like, giving you brats. Like, sign me up for Yeah, this. get a couple sausage <laughs> on the side. Yeah, I mean, I got to ride the Koppenberg. Yeah. That is not an easy climb. I, I love don't... it. It is amazing. <laughs> But if you don't come into it with a bit of, you know, momentum, you're hosed. Yeah. Right? Like, right. it is nonstop. You're just bouncing around. And it's, but to have, like, I rode it by myself. Like, I was with Terry and we rode it. So there was two of us on the road. It's not like there's a cluster of people and then you've got all these folks on the side of the road screaming and yelling, cheering. I mean, you're deafening noise from bells, right? Yeah. And you're packed. Like, you're like sardines in a can climbing up a road, which to me is completely daunting. That with, I mean, what's the, what is the percentage of grade on that? I don't know. Hard. Hard, (laughs) yeah. The percentage is hard. The percentage is hard (laughs) and it's rough. I mean, we got, we did that the day before and then we went out to do another ride the next day. But it was so beautiful. That area is beautiful, but it's cold. Yeah, it's cold. Uh, the couple times I did Flanders, I was actually lucky with the weather. It was actually kind of almost like a day like today. It was warmer than it should have been. Um, I still, it was the, it rained all night, but it would like warm up that day, which was quite nice. But it turns out, um, since I have that high fear factor, I was never very good at drafting anyway. (laughs) And I was like, why do people draft? I think it's cheating. I like to have my own line, you know? And so when you get in Flanders or pre-Roubaix or something like that with like these cobbles and all this, like drafting doesn't matter as much because the rolling resistance is so high so you still have to have absolute power and so that's why i was like this is amazing i train all year for this (laughs) like (laughs) you guys don't know what i'm doing when i get dropped but right now this is awesome (laughs) see that's rad and see like that is the like the excitement in your voice about that race and it's like that feeling that's why people do it that's why you you know that's why i go to the events that's why you race it's that excitement and that love of the sport and that feeling of, I almost feel like riding a bike has that freedom. It's like the first freedom you really get as a kid, right? Like when I learned to ride my bike, I got to, I got to go away. Like I was like, Oh yeah. Hey, look, I'm like a couple blocks away and my parents aren't here. This is cool. Right. That's the same feeling. I, every time I go out on a bike ride, it feels like that. I think that's what the bike gave me. I mean, uh, coming from, 
you know, tennis and all these things. But the bike gave me, I call it a freedom to express myself, which honestly is not always very graceful or glamorous or pretty. Um, you know, it, there's snot. You saw it today. There's dirt all over. I'm sliding down a mountain. You know, like there's things that happen that are not glamorous. But the bike gives me the freedom to express myself and whatever that grit and dark demons you're chasing out or euphoria at a beautiful green mountain view. I mean, you can just express so much on these emotions just on the bike that you can't see in a car drive or, you know, and running's great, but you don't cover the distance. I mean, today we got to ride 50 miles or whatever around Napa and you get to see so many things and still back in time for lunch. Yeah. And you're back in time and yeah, people buy tour buses for that. And now I can eat this lobster club sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Gives you burn enough calories to do so. Yeah. So that's your favorite race in Europe. Mm -hmm. What is, what was your favorite in the U S and it could be anything can be dirt, can be whatever. I think I'll have to go to Dirty Kansas my first year that I, I won. Um, I mean, road racing, I have a ton of favorites. It's just, I guess most of my favorites I won. Sorry. <laughs> but um, you always like things you're more successful at. Usually, than, yeah. <laughs> than, That's usually the good things. But uh, Kansas was really life-changing for me. Um, transitioning from a full world tour road schedule to doing something that in my feed zone, I literally had, you know, a bottle of bourbon, Mike's hard lemonade, donut holes, bacon. Like I didn't know I'd never ridden over 120 miles and I'd signed up for a 206 mile race. So I didn't know what my body would want or if I flatted and crashed or something, I was like, well, I should probably drink. So I at least can celebrate the day for a second (laughs) and just get over myself. So by the way, I didn't drink any of that while racing because it turns out I was having a good day, but you never know. <laughs> um, but there was something about Kanza that I thought was super inspiring. We've talked about Yuri and then the Rebecca Rush, of course, like, and they kind of encouraged me. And I was kind of having a little FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, watching them. I'm like, that looks more fun. You know, I'm in Europe, like getting like cow manure sprayed in my face day in, day out, you know, and I'm like, this just... <sighs> And they're looking like they're having so much fun, you know, just like riding gravel and hanging out with people <laughs> like that looks like more fun than what I'm doing. So I um, I went and towed the line and, you know, you show up there and it's six in the morning and there's 20,000 people cheering you on and you just go out on this adventure. And I pushed, I guess, new limits in my body that I had never ridden over 120. And then I rode 206 miles and I was like, oh, and I rode it pretty fast, you know, and um, I met, though, a bunch of people and they. I rode a lot by myself, so it's not like I'm riding with those people all day, but at the end of the day, we all had that story to share. So it's like sharing a good meal, you know? That's awesome. Like, you can still, maybe you didn't eat dinner with that person at their table, but you could talk about whatever you had and the wine you paired it with and what did you do that day to want to enjoy this meal? Who are you with? You know, and and it's, you. who did you push your limits with? Did you try this or that? Or, you know, and like... I found that very intoxicating, I guess, in a way. And I was like, these are my people, actually. And that's all I want to do now is go and ride as hard as I can. Believe me, I have sweat, drool, blood, everything, you know, tears streaming down my face. It's not pretty. I'm going as hard as I can. But I'm enjoying every freaking moment slash fighting a lot of demons slash meeting new things inside myself I didn't know existed. <laughs> and that's and that's the best part. I mean, and this I think... If I'm correct, this past year, there was a duplicate you, if I'm correct. Did I see that correctly on social media? Yeah, I had a cardboard cutout of myself. That was, that it's was... still in the bar in Kansas. Is it really? Yeah, it's still Yuri's, too. We're in the bar. Oh, my God. Sometimes that's... I get photos. They're like, give me a shot, you know? 
Oh, really? Yeah. That's hysterical. Yeah, it's awesome. So what what are your upcoming goals? I mean, you still, there's many more events. There's new gravel events cropping up everywhere. There's, you know, you've, you're battling your demons every day. You're pushing yourself to new limits. What is your next, what's your next goal? Um, I've been really fortunate to work with Specialized the last couple of years and, you know, into the foreseeable future, of course. Um, so I, we get to kind of define our own goals and what we want to do. And yeah, I will go and toe the line again at Dirty Kansas this year. Um, but something that's important to me, which is probably relative to a lot of people, I think, you know, you want to make sure you're not putting too much pressure on yourself or, you know, submitting to external pressures either. Um, I do joke that I started gravel racing because you lower your tire pressure with, and my own pressure, you know, and I want to have fun. So I actually am looking forward to some new events as well um, this year. Like we were talking about, I'm going to Iceland to do a gravel event, which sounds pretty um, hashtag epic. And because who wants to use the word epic? It's so overused. We're not an odyssey. Um, and a five day event in uh, Bend, Oregon. That you know? one looks really cool. The Iceland event I wanted to. I mean, there's so many good events. Yeah, people will write me and I honestly like just want to be like, hey, write me about your event and I might show up, you know, if it sounds really cool. And, you know, people are out there enjoying their bikes and we're eating and drinking and being merry afterwards and sharing war stories. That sounds like fun. You know, like, I don't think it has to be about one race to win. And yeah, most of the time I do go really hard and I try to win and, you know, prepare the best I can. But other times, you know, most of the other times too, I just want to enjoy my community and what we're all out here doing to hopefully make the world a better place on two wheels. Perfect. All right. I got a couple things. I'm mm -hmm. uh, a couple quick questions. They're yep. super fast. Red, white, or rosé? Rosé all day. Beer or bourbon? Bourbon. Coffee or tea? coffee with Bailey's sea urchin or caviar sea urchin sashimi or nigiri sashimi all the way pork or beef beef I was raised on a cattle ranch by the way medium rare on the rare side no sauces salt and pepper only wow very probably, specific probably a um you know like a ribeye okay comedy or action comedy we talked about that flashing thing oh yeah true so can, then, can I call that a, a rom com? Can we do a rom com instead? Yeah. Okay. And then I'm going to, well, the next one was Star Wars or Star Trek, but that can go back to your childhood. Star Wars. For sure. Okay. That's pretty much it. You can want to eat. You want to eat. I see you staring at that sandwich. <laughs> well, you ordered me all this fancy <laughs> food and it's just sitting here. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I am looking forward to towing the line up there with you at Dirty Kanza and a whole bunch of other events. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to see you at the Grasshopper Series. And uh, we're bummed we can't have you at Campo Velo this year, but I'm so sad. It's all right. You'll be freezing your butt off in Vermont. Will you invite me? Will you invite me next year? Of still? course, next Do year. I, have, I want it on record right now that I have a lifetime invite. You have a lifetime invite. You just have to make sure that that other event is in the same weekend. Okay, I will. I okay. promise. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course.